Hey, it's Rob Bueller, and on this episode of BuellerCast, I am totally, unequivocally cheating. Now, this isn't an interview, but instead, the audio recording of a presentation I gave at Ad Push-Ups Programmatic Meetup 2020 back in October. The session was labeled The Programmatic Publisher and was described as a glance at how publishing is changing, working, and not just a programmatic only, but a programmatically driven environment, forecasting the evolution of responsibilities for programmatic pros going forward. Wow, I'm impressed. Anyway, it wasn't recorded with a podcast in mind, so just keep that in mind. Wow, I really have to fire my scriptwriter. Anyway, so no one else, just me talking. I think I said some smart stuff, so it might just be worth it. Before I forget, thank you to Add Pushup for the opportunity to speak. Let's get going, Rob Bueller. Take it away. You know, I want to talk about what a programmatic publisher is going to be in the future and where people in programmatic fit into the future of, of publishing. So let me start with my first day of ad operations where, where I really kind of learned so much. First of all, my first day of ad operations, I thought I was going to be managing one website. I found out I was managing 10. I found out that also web analytics was something I was responsible for. And I also found out that my boss had this idea of my, me creating revenue forecast reports. And also it was very clear to me in my very first day that I was going to be the errand boy for a lot of other departments and people telling me what to do. So my very first day of ad operations, I realized how much I hate ad operations and I needed to get out. Now, I didn't quit. Instead, I came back with a plan. And that plan was to delegate and to automate everything I could and try to move farther up the ladder in the company so that I wouldn't have to do that kind of work. And, you know, it's 21 plus years later. So thanks for the call out on my, on my, on my age here. Uh, I've helped start companies. I, I even, you know, I've helped launch a number of careers. I even have a, a mug with my face on it from Ad Pushup. This is for the Global Publishing Leaders of 2020. So thank you, Ad Pushup, for, for my mug with my mug on it. Love that. In that change, in that role that I had, um, I had someone uh, what I would consider an advantage and that is my focus was on direct sold advertising. And the more I learned about the site and how it was built and how it was sold allowed me to craft what jobs I was taking on, right? And the more experience I had, the, the better I was at, at pulling that together. I'm not sure if, if people in the programmatic space, and this again is a generalization, but I would say that I don't know that they have quite the same advantage. If your focus on a daily basis is how do you get from $2.32 to $2.42, you know, you're, you're almost playing more of a role of a stockbroker than you are necessarily a part of the whole, right? But that's only unless you start to drive strategy, right? And that's the part that I think is a real opportunity because people that are focused on programmatic have a unique perspective that no one else in the company has. And so the key is, is to start to, to champion that within your organization. So a programmatic publisher, right? Or public, 
programmatic driven publisher is driven by programmatic people. And that's going to come in many sizes and many shapes. Some of you are small and are only programmatic. Okay, that's great. Some of you have other direct pieces. Some of you have you know different different sizes and teams and whatever. And so I'm going to try to give and impart some things here that I think will help drive some of that discussion for for all of you. But obviously, you know, results results might vary. So a key piece to this is identity. And you heard this in the in the prequel. We were just kind of chatting a little bit before with Google saying that third-party cookies are done in 2022, you have this race to figure out identity. And the fact of the matter is, the analogy I came up with while working on this deck is, I honestly think that like, like marketers and advertisers think of, of identity like online dating. Like you could just literally look at your phone and go, no, no, no. Oh, I like this person. I like to serve them a message. And... It's there's a level of entitlement to that. You know, that's a decision they're making without any connection or conversation with the user. And the, the thought that comes to my mind is if you think about Amazon for a second, Amazon wasn't granted with millions of users, right, of their site, or millions of shoppers, right? They had to earn every single one of a buyer on Amazon email by email person by person. In fact, some of you are probably shopping right now because I believe it's like Amazon day or something like that, right? But they had to work on every single one of those. And so there's this whole piece of like us talking about users in this grand sense, like we don't have to really kind of connect with them. And that's that's a, a real problem. And so what I think some of what's happening right now is that a lot of these identity solutions are trying to work in a world and try to maintain what we do now and do it after the user gets engaged. And I just don't see how all of that is going to, to work. But this, this is where the programmatic people need to step up. And you need to start to give us visibility into what's working. Do these things drive higher CPMs, right? I see that question a lot in my environment, you know, in my, in my Slack space, and it's hard to necessarily correlate those two. They say there's more demand, but I'd like to see what that is. But even further, do they work and are they going to work? And then most of these identity solutions are built off hashed email addresses and, and you know registration and so forth. So I don't know if we're ready for the poll, but if we could throw up the poll, I'd be really curious if people could share what they think the percentage of their audience, do you think you're going to have logged in that you're going to be able to tie registration to? And so, you know, my, my thought on this is this, without seeing what your answers are, I think ultimately what you're going to find there is that it's, it's, it's a lower number than what you need it to be, right? So in other words, these identity solutions are going to solve, I, my guess you're going to see 10%, right? Okay, so the majority of you are don't know or up to 20%, right? And I think that that's, that's, that's right. And I think that that's a part where what are you going to do about the rest of it, right? There's going to be an authenticated web and an unauthenticated web. And those are going to really differentiate in terms of CPMs. 
And yet it is not, I mean, one of the struggles publishers have is almost everything is multi-departmental, right? Like for a registration program to work, you need IT, editorial, marketing, sales, business, operations, all on the same track to actually build those types of systems to actually work to get you beyond just the easy stuff to actually make a majority of it. And that's a real, real challenge. And as I, I said before, we kind of kicked off, some of you only have like three quarters to, to do that. But I do think that there are some ways to do this. And right, and so I think, again, this is something, an area where programmatic, if you're in this position, is start to help try to drive this conversation. Make sure it's understood that these identity solutions aren't going to solve all of your issues. And, and just make sure that you start to, to, to articulate that. I think the same thing applies to, to push notification as well, right? I think that there's, there's some things that are done there in terms of collecting data and what can be done there that you from a programmatic perspective should be creating reports and saying, this is what this drives. One example of a company I think that's, that's doing it really, really well, and I, I actually have a podcast coming out in a couple of weeks where I talk to, to Sonali Verma from the Globe and Mail. Uh, the Globe and Mail actually has a predictive paywall system. In other words, based on what they know about the user, based on what they know on the content, they are applying machine learning to decide if and when a paywall goes up, a request to register, or just let the user access the website and catch them maybe on the next page or whatever. And you can start to imagine Again, some of some of the people that I've worked with in the past, it's like three pages and that's it. Well, what if you could be smarter about that, right? Then tied into what registration and what that CPM is, and suddenly you're really informing the system. You're having it driven by revenue about if and when you put a paywall up. And I think that's where you're going to start to really see some, some real investment. So the other part that I, I would like to see on the identity front for for all of you to step up is getting involved in the trade organizations and some of these conversations. One of the biggest issues with the big trade organizations is they get the most senior people at the publisher talking. And unfortunately, those are not the same people who can figure out whether you need to get a clean room set up to pass data between multiple parties, right? Those aren't the same people. They need to have be informed by people who actually know how these systems work and develop and, and create standards and you know specs for which are actually going to technically work. And so if that kind of opportunity is something that you can create, please do that. And, and if anything, let me help you get there <laughs> if I can do that. So to phrase what I'm saying, you know, a relationship with a user is ultimately how you're going to drive value. And you need to help create that relationship. So again, depending on your role, if you're not thinking about your relationship with your users, you're not aligned with what we need for the future to be successful. This, of course, ties to, to first-party data, and we had some great examples of that earlier. You know, there's a, there's a famous saying, right, that data is the new oil. And third-party data is, the, is oil. It's messy. It is destroying our environment. Uh, if you want to take this analogy maybe too far, in our particular digital advertising, 
it's probably going to cause climate change, right? Because it just powers everything, but it's just not what it needs to be. First party data has been around as long as I have. I was one of the very first people to ever do behavioral targeting with a system called Dakota, for anyone that remembers that. In fact, it was before it was called Dakota, right? So we've been sitting on that. We've heard that a lot from a lot of people that first party data, first party data is awesome and so forth. It's time to get this untapped. And just like solar energy, sun's been around a long time, but only now is the technology getting there to really make solar so efficient that there is no other way. We need to do the same thing with first party data. And this again is where programmatic fits into this. Now, the one thing I keep thinking about And maybe some of you know of a solution that I'm not thinking of, but we need to make micro segments work better. I think about what Scott Messer said earlier, and he's right. You need to take very small segments on your site and scale them up. And you do that with every means possible. And yet you're going to have some very valuable segments that just you're not going to be able to spin up the same way. How come we can't transact on those efficiently. I mean, obviously there's a certain level of work that goes into setting up a PMP deal that it's too small for even that. Well, I throw it out to all of you to figure out and solve that, but I would love to see solutions around getting it so that all I am focused on with my website is creating as specific segments as I can and making them monetizable. And then I will work on scale. So you just don't want to start that conversation with scale. The other part to this where I think you can all help is help standardize how first-party data is defined and shared. There's an aspect of this that if you talk to an agency person about publisher data, they're, of course, question the validity, and they want to verify that first-party data. Well, guess what? With all these changes, it's going to be really hard for them to verify this data. And they're going to have to either have trust or there's going to have to be other ways to verify first-party data. But the fact of the matter is, is that we should start having these conversations now so that we can start to standardize the language around what data segments mean and how they're defined and what your methodology is so that we can start to scale how first-party data is presented. At the same time, we need to make sure that people can differentiate their first-party data. And what do I mean by that? It means any of you could have a website that talks about cars, and you could label those as auto intenders. Let's be clear. Your blog is not the same as cars.com or KBB or AutoTrader or any of those sites, right? I'm not saying it's not valuable. In fact, Again, if you're very specific about which kind of cars, you could be more valuable. But there's an aspect of having the ability to differentiate and be, this is my first-party data and it has X value to it, has to be part of the equation. Well, at the same time, we've got to go out with some standard, standard language. Okay? The other part that I would say that you can help in terms of driving and what a programmatic-driven publisher looks like is every person's job in the organization is to help drive the data strategy. You should be looking at e-commerce and that e-commerce should feed your data strategy. Editorial, again, I go all the way back to Scott Messer's presentation. They should be categorizing and organizing content with data capture as 
the focus. So everyone in the organization should be sitting there thinking about how to get that. Marketing should be thinking about how to get more people signed up for newsletters and or logged on to the site. Everybody. Everybody has to start to sit there and wait in for this to kind of work. You're all what I'll call pseudo data scientists now or pseudo quants, right? Um, some of you may be data scientists. There aren't enough data scientists enough to go around, let alone get into our industry, right? So all of us are going to have to start mining and start looking for insights and start driving the company based on it. Easy to say driven by, you know, you're a data-driven company. Very easy to say that. Very hard to actually implement that. Flying through, folks. So a better canvas to paint on. What, I, what do I mean by that? You know, how often do you think about the, the ads that we serve and, and how we serve them? And it's another opportunity to kind of step up. So I did a, a survey of my, of my publishers that I, that I work with, and 80% are doing some sort of ad refresh. And then, you know, about 14, 15% are in the consideration set. So ad refresh is now a part of the publishing, you know, that's, that's what we do. And, you know, you think about how quickly Apple pulled the trigger on, on IDFA and changing IDFA. I mean, Google gave a couple of years in terms of third-party cookies. There's going to be someone that, that looks at ad refresh as a negative experience. And if we abuse this, one of the things that has obviously increased so much of our impressions is going to be taken away. And so either with some other technology company or with your own, it's time to make a smarter ad refresh. Much like I've mentioned the predictive pay paywall, apply that same approach to ad refresh, right? And start thinking about when you want to do an ad refresh, whether it be the ad that you're serving, the user or the content. And my guess is that you'll be able to, to maintain some level of the number of impressions that you're getting, but do it in a really smart way that drives revenue higher. Better creative. Now, I'm not asking you all to break out Microsoft Paint and start designing ads. I think there's one reason you're in ad operations, two reasons. You didn't want to go into sales and you weren't creative enough to do art. I'm sorry if that hurts anyone, but I'm being glib. But the idea is that we need to come up with ways to get better creative served through our ad units. And again, if you're not thinking about this, I just ask that you do. No one's, you know, I've cried at a Super Bowl commercial right? I've cried a TV commercial that really kind of pulled at my heartstrings, have yet to see a 300 by 250 ever elicit such a response. That is a real, it has a real impact on how advertisers think about our medium. And so my recommendation is that you start to think about that. The other part of all of this is make sure that you're thinking about helping prevent malware. Most of you are probably familiar with sellers.json, you should be familiar with buyers.json, okay? And we should start to clean up our act. So let's get, you know, what I'll say last thing on the malware piece as I, as I race along here is there will be bad actors on the internet. That is a inherent part of having an open system like that. The fact that we assume that that's the case within our ad tech, our digital advertising ecosystem, well, maybe some, but we don't have to make it quite so easy. And so be part of the solution in terms of something like a buyers.json, which will help us identify DSPs and seats on DSPs that should be shut down quicker would, would obviously have a huge impact in terms of revenue and our overall ecosystem. So 
clean up your act. Look, I'm Rob Beeler. And I'm going to officially announce it now is I'm the dad of ad operations, right? I, I make bad jokes. I got some of your bosses, their jobs, uh, you know, and what do you, what can I say? I'm, I'm dad. And here's what I'm going to tell you. Clean up your act. Okay. And what I mean by that is, as I said, my day one was outsource and automate. You know, I picked that up on the first day. There is no doubt in my mind that your role can be more than pulling Excel spreadsheets and running pivot tables, right? There are other ways by which to do that. And if you're not sure how, or because it's so custom, you can't, well, here's my thought. Here's the one that I think I've always approached. You don't actually have to outsource or automate, but assume that you have to. And that whole evaluation process alone will tell you how much control you actually have over your process. And if you can't, Think about even automating it. You don't have it locked down enough, right? So use that as an opportunity to sit there and make sure that you're being that and then be more strategic. The other part, and this is a, a Beelerism, a Beeler truism, if you will, that I like to share, which is answer the questions your boss does not have time to ask. Going back to the title of this whole presentation, which is how do you be a programmatic driven publisher? Do you think your CEO knows what that means? They do not. They most likely do not. I should say that. Uh, if they don't, who's going to help them become programmatically driven? You are. So at the end of the day, look, you don't have to, you know, oh, got there. Um, you don't have to care about media, but if you do, there's a whole career ahead of you. It's not a bad industry to be in. I mean, it ops on a daily basis is a mess, right? But media is not. People will need content in the future. And there is money to be made by making content and putting ads next to it. I don't care how much people go to try to get rid of ads. There will be ads, right? And just even getting involved and thinking about how to drive the company forward is a career path for you. And the key thing is, is whether that's what you want to do or not. So, you know, be more than a stock market trader. Help this on us on the identity piece. Drive the first party data discussion and get some of the stuff on your plate, off your plate, so that, you know, you can be more of the conversation and be part of the conversations that are going to help drive where we go as an industry. There you go. Whew. Thanks to Rob Beeler for that insightful conversation with no one. Also, thanks to Rob Beeler for allowing us to use his recording on his own podcast. Last but not least, thank you to Rob Beeler for coming up with an inventive way to keep publishing the podcast while I search for more interviews. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast and please create an account on Beeler.tech to keep on all the industry-leading shenanigans we're putting together. And if you listen to this far, thank you, Mom. I love you. I'll call you soon. Beeler out.